Welcome to What Builders Don't Tell Their Clients with your host, Joel Miner. Listening to the show, you'll learn how to avoid the unnecessary pain and avoidable costs that commonly occur in the building and renovating process. Joel will also inspire you with his knowledge, experience and ideas on how to make your home a place to suit your lifestyle for years to come. Hello and welcome to another episode of What Builders Don't Tell Their Clients. This week I have a very, very special guest. I'm super excited about this. These guys are an award-winning master builder. They build nine-star energy-efficient homes out of straw bales and rammed earth. They're in a company called Viva Living Homes. They live near the western suburbs of Sydney near the Blue Mountains. And I want to question Sam's mind and get into his mind about some of the energy efficiency and some of the things that get quite simply forgotten when it's going through a renovation or a build. So, Sam Vivers, welcome to the show. Um, first of all, how did you even start off in the industry? Yeah, well, the building industry, I ended late. I didn't start that till I was 28, although it's something I always wanted to do. And um, soon after that, I had a block of land up in the country and met my now wife, Simone, and she said, we've got to build a house. And I said, oh, let's build a, an environmental house, a straw bale house. And she goes what's that i said well i've got no idea but um from that we jumped on the internet and had a look at a few things there wasn't much information and um you know from there we we just worked out how to build these natural houses and learned things like solar passive design and all that sort of stuff so that was back in 1998 we started that so we've been going a few years now yeah so did you start your like did you obviously do an apprenticeship down where you sort of lived do you guys have been there most of the time yeah, well, I did my apprenticeship in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, actually, and we drove up to a place called Mudgee every weekend to build this house. But, um, yeah, when I was 28, I started my carpentry apprenticeship, just doing uh, the actual TAFE at night and working during the day and weekends just to try and, try and get along and uh, make ends meet. Yeah, all right. Um, did you – is energy efficiency something that you – like? building straw bales and that sort sort of thing, did that was always something in the back of your mind or is it just an idea that just got thrown out there and you went, all right, let's do it? Well, it's something I heard about well, many years ago when I was just 21 because I grew up on a on a farm and someone mentioned straw bale building and it just stuck with me. And you now I'd never thought much more about it, but it must have obviously triggered something. So 15 years later when I, when I became a carpenter, um, and I had a little block of land to build on, then, yeah, it seemed natural for Simone and I, and Simone's always had a, a big interest in the environment, and uh, I've actually got allergies to some of the chemicals and stuff in the building industry, so all of that sort of came together and made it seem like something we should be doing. Yeah, well, I suppose when it comes to doing that, it's, it's just a really, I find it a really interesting topic, and a lot of people probably may have never even heard of what straw bale houses and rammed earth are, but... Um, so like what, obviously what led you to that direction? I know you said you're working on a farm and you know, you sort of just that and you were building, wanting to build a house, but what led you sort of after you'd built your own house? Was there something that sort of went, yep, this is what I'm wanting to do. I want to do this for a full-time gig basically. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces that fell into place. And uh, as I said, I'm quite chemically sensitive. So working with natural materials worked for me. Um, also, the environmental side of it by then I'd, I'd sort of started to like that idea of it and as I said Simone was always interested in that side of it so that they all point us in the direction and then straw bale was just something that's really super insulated we're looking at four four or five times the insulation of a normal insulated wall on a brick veneer house so with that 
yeah, yeah, it all sort of pointed in that direction where uh, building with natural materials and building houses that were energy efficient just just seemed like a natural progression. And after we built our first one for ourselves, I met a guy here in the Blue Mountains who built them as well, and we sort of joined up and built a few. And but we were working mainly for owner builders, and I got sick of seeing half finished houses and. You know, I don't mean to insult the owner builders out there, but we all know the, the day they finish their house is the day they sell it. Yeah. I can say that because I've been one. Yeah. Or the day you live uh, in it, the day the work stops. Yeah, exactly. As soon as, you, yeah, as soon as you can move in, all bets are off, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and then not much else gets done because you sort of get a bit comfortable with what you're doing or where you're living now. Yeah, till, that's right. Till it and frustrates you enough, I suppose. Well, that's the thing, but you come become blind to it as a, <laughs> as, a, as a builder or an owner builder living in a half finished house. You, you don't even see the stuff that isn't finished after a while. You, your wife certainly does, but you don't. <laughs> no, no, you're not, yeah. neither get neither this finished, neither that finished. Yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, exactly. You hey, know, it's still there. Um, so, what like a lot of people, I like nine star energy rating. I guess a lot of people won't quite understand what that exactly is and what sort of efficiency that gains them. So what sort of things factor in, like what creates a nine-star energy efficiency rating or, you know, an energy efficient house? Yeah. Well, that's a big question because, like, in theory and only in theory, a 10-star house should need really no energy to heat it and no energy to cool it down because it's designed so well and it's built out the right materials. So design is the most important factor. Um, It doesn't matter whether you use natural materials or or more man-made materials, so long as you use the right materials in the right place and have the right design. So, you know, you may have heard of solar passive design, and that's all about using the sun to heat and cool your house. But um, you can't do that if you don't put your insulation in the right place, as in wrap the whole envelope of the house in insulation. Um, And in most climates, a good idea to put something called thermal mass inside the house. Now, thermal mass, the name's a bit of a hint. It's heavy and it absorbs heat. So heavy walls or a heavy floor will absorb the sun, say, in winter, and at night it gives that heat back to the house. Or if it gets really hot in summer, that thermal mass will absorb some of the extra heat during the day, and if the temperature drops at night, it can release it. But you can't put thermal mass really, ideally, on the outside of a house because if the sun beats on a wall for three hours, the heat's going to come through a thermal mass wall because not only does it store heat, but also heat passes through it. So it's a, it can seem a little complex, but it's all about using the right materials in the right place in your house and tie that in with a lot of windows on the northern side of the house in the southern hemisphere and um, having your eaves at the right length and all sorts of things. Yeah, and I guess what you said, I guess it's like a, like having a blanket. Um, that's an easy explanation, like having a blanket. And if you've got a... If you've got your foot out or, you know, a hole in one end where a breeze can blow through, I guess it sort of, it disturbs the whole point of it being energy efficient, doesn't it? That's right. And a blanket's an ideal description for the insulation. And then you can look at the thermal mass as a hot water bottle. So that that hot water bottle's been warmed up, in this case, with water, but, you know, in theory by the sun. And that'll keep you warm through the night. Um, and likewise, on a really hot night, I guess you could have a cold hot water bottle to draw some of the heat out of you. So you wrap yourself in the blanket, but you have a thermal mass in close to you to to just take the ups and downs out, out of the temperature of the house. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's not just, you know, like you said, it's not just one, like 
little bits and pieces. It's making sure every little bits and pieces of the puzzles is put in correctly. Otherwise, it's not going to do the job it's supposed to do, regardless of you know whether you're using energy efficient blankets and insulation and and brickwork or what whatever else is required. Really, isn't it? That's right. We you know you have to fill all the little gaps, and you know we use double glaze glazing in all of our houses, and um, you know sometimes there'll be underfloor insulation which you know, people don't think of sometimes or slab edge insulation. So there's all little things you can tweak to get better and better. And we spoke about the star system, you know, just by tweaking these little things, you can go from six stars to seven stars or seven stars to eight stars. And yeah. the higher the stars, the less energy it's going to take to run your house. Yeah. And what, what sort of like when it comes to cost saving in the long term of things for like electricity and that sort of things, like, what would sort of be the typical cost saving with a house, you know, that's a standard brick home, veneer, timber frame house compared to something like this? Like, is it next to nothing, you know, running running costs, or is it, you know, like what sort of what sort of cost can people compare it to with a normal house? Yeah, gotcha. Well, that that's an interesting question because it depends then how you live in it and what you consider comfortable. So. We've built over 60 of these houses out of natural materials and out of those 60, we've put air conditions so far in two of them. So, you know, the, the very fact there's no air conditioners running means that you're saving a lot of money. You know, it might cost us $300 a quarter on average to run the electricity for our entire house and our entire office for the building. Um, so whereas if you're running aircon, you know, some people we know are up about 1200 a quarter. So it just depends on how people want to live in it and, um, you know, what people deem as, as comfortable and what, what they do to do that. Like there's expensive heating sources and there's cheaper heating sources. So you can really start to save some money over the long term. Yeah. And that, like that, if a family of four or five people living in that one house, that's a, that's a massive, uh, cost saving on a lot of, you know, families that you know could typically spend twelve hundred dollars a quarter um when it comes to power bills and stuff but so like what sort of common mistakes that people make when it comes to energy efficiency like or not not maybe common mistakes but also what do people generally forget about or not even know of um from your experience well i think the single biggest one is that people believe that the street the house should face the street um, and they'll do crazy things like put their garage on the north side of the house because the house might be facing west or east. Whereas really what you should be doing is getting sunlight into the northern part of the house, and that should primarily be your living area. So it can heat up during the day, during winter, and, um, yeah, really provide a lot of heat with no, no expense. Whereas, you know, we drive past houses and have a bit of a giggle because the garage is on the north getting all the good winter sunlight and if they're lucky, there's a car sitting in there. So, like the the most important thing is design. If you can get the design right, then you can start to take steps with what materials to use, and then you can look at different things like the health issues of materials and stuff inside the house itself. Yeah, I guess that comes down to people too when they're buying that block of land rather than um, building on it straight away, whether. They've been through which way the sun goes down in winter, which way the sun comes up and which way the sun goes down in summer and, and which way the wind and rain sort of blows too, I guess, um, would make a massive difference to people when it comes to design. So they've got an idea also on what sort of, how it's sort of going to affect their block and the way they're going to build their house really, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the courses I teach, I always say that, 
you know, in an ideal world, you'd sit on your property for at least 12 months and you, you find out, you know, where the, where the cool summer breezes come from, when, where the warmer or colder winter winds come from. And as you say, what time does the sun set? What time does the sun rise? And, you know, you have temperature inversions in gullies where it's cooler down the bottom of the gully rather than on top of the hill, but then you've got views and all sorts of things. So, yeah, it really can be not only due to the climatic zone, but it can be site-specific as well, as you say. Yeah, that's good. I just picked up there what you said with your teach. So do you, so what, do you take classes and teach people um, like just with natural products or what exactly do you do with all of that as well? Yeah, well, we teach a, a, a few courses. We do do workshops on the houses we build so people can have hands-on with the natural materials like the straw and the earth. So we do one of them on every house uh, just sort of to build community and some people can learn some practical skills. But we also teach uh, formal courses where people uh, understand or hopefully understand the theory behind the design, um, the, the, the theory behind how the materials work, how they can really succeed, potentially how they can fail. And we do a little bit of practical in those courses as well. So it's um, it's we really try to educate people because what we don't want, this is a really old industry we're in, but it's sort of getting a rebirth at the moment. We don't want people to do any of this badly. So we really want to make sure that uh, it, uh, it's done well from the outset. Yeah, I think that's really cool because you leave sort of a bit of a legacy too. If, you know, once your time has gone on past the building stages, you know, you're bringing everyone else up behind that's, you know, younger and uh, trying to teach them the ways so they don't make the same mistakes that um, I guess you may have made early in the start, but what's sort of some of the common mistakes that you've seen maybe even other natural home builders or some of the problems that happen if they're not done correctly? Well, there's a, a couple of, I mean, in design, if they use things like mud brick on the outside of a the house, they, they can, you know, that's a thermal mass, so it's not a great insulator. So you can't, you, you won't get the performance you could otherwise get with something like a straw bale or a straw panel or even hempcrete on the outside. Um, the other thing is, depending on the latitude and the climate you live in, determines how long the eaves should be above specific windows to allow the sun in in winter, but to keep it out in summer. So really designing it towards your climatic zone and, and your latitude, you know, you don't want a big glass house on the north side of, as a general rule, on the north side of a house in Australia, because it's just gonna bake in summer. Yeah. So you, you've really got to consider these sorts of things. What looks best isn't always the most practical solution. Yeah, and I guess a lot of people, I guess a lot of people, if they're thinking about doing something like this, that they should be, I guess, what what would your suggestions be on people looking for a builder doing this side of things? Because I guess if it's builders suggesting, you know, we've got a plan on this budget with this type of, you know, particular house that's energy efficient and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I, I guess with what some of the things you just said, it'd probably throw a few questions in some people's minds of, well, maybe there's not just one size that fits all and you really need to find a builder who's on the same line of actually work, that know, one, that knows their shit and two, that understands what you're trying to trying to do. Yeah, and look, builders, us builders as a rule, we're, we're generally very risk adverse, like we're slow to change, which is... Um, Understandable because there's a big risk. Every builder risks a lot, you know, their property, their, their livelihood, their, the health of their family and the prosperity of their family every time we build a house. So I totally understand that. Um, 
So you've really got to talk to the builder, first of all, see, as you say, if they're the right builder for the job. If someone's just outright saying no, then I, I would go look for another builder. Um, even before that, there's a great book called My House by the Australian government. It's a free book online, or you can pay $70 and buy the hard copy, and it'll tell you all about different ways to build and the different climatic zones in Australia. It's, it's a really good resource. Um, what we've done is try and circumnavigate this. We, we're now making like a structural straw panel which gets craned into place so the builders really don't have to understand any of the, um, I guess, the idiosyncrasies of building out of straw. We, we've got these panels where they can just put up the walls of the house in one day and they're building with a really nice natural uh, thermally insulated material. So we, we're trying to make it easier for people in that sense. So there are a few things out there, yeah. Is, yeah, is that, is that something you're looking at bringing out in the near future or is that something you've already got that people, like other builders or um, people that are looking at doing their, something like this can just purchase or that, um, you know, is that something, yeah, like if you guys you're working on or is that something that you guys got out already? Yeah, well, we've built 14 of our own buildings out of them now. So we really wanted to test them ourselves, even though the technology is similar to what we've been using for the past 20 years. So... We've, um, we're going through fire tests now with the CSIRO and they're easily passing things like flame zone in bushfire areas. So they're something we're now selling as a product. So we have sold them to a few clients. Um, we're in negotiations with a factory now where we're going to set up and just sell them and ship them for a start throughout New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria and, and further afield from there. And the big advantage from a builder's point of view is the speed of the speed of construction because they come rendered on both sides or they come pre-rendered on the inside and clad on the outside. So it's a really, we, we find it's, we can knock a third, at least a third of the time off our builds using these things and all the cost and waste that's associated with that. So yeah, that's our aim to get them more mainstream. Yeah. Is that, so like they're rendered. So how does the, how do you get the render to stick to the hay? Oh, it's just a magic trick. Um, <laughs> it just seems so, so intriguing to, to think that you could use straw bales and have render stick to to hay at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Well, it just it just gets worked in and it, it grips on and it just stays there. And we use we tend to use um, different types of render, but on the outside we always use a lime render, um, a lime based render. And yeah, you just work it in on the first coat and then it, it sits up really nicely on the following coats. Yeah, cool. and uh, just needs to stay there. Some of these houses are over a hundred years old, standing in the US, so we know that it works over time. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So, like, I guess, what about like people running fixtures and fittings and stuff in through, you know, straw bait, like all that side of things? Does it still work pretty similar to a new home? It does, and like in any other new home, it's good to have a plan and idea where things are going first. So, if you can. Work out where they're going. You can run these conduits on the frames or in the panels we pre-run all that. So we have to have electric schedule before the panels are built. But on a typical straw bale house, you can just run them in between the posts and the straw or down the face of the straw. There's there's a lot of different ways to do it. But essentially, it, um, as a builder, we run all the conduits. So the electrician actually has less work to do on our houses than he does on a standard house. And that works quite well for all of us, I think. Yeah, and I guess that sort of brings in a bit of cost saving with the electrical side of things. It's pretty easy, it's straightforward, and it makes everything and the whole process work a lot better for everyone, I guess, as a team that's building a house together. That's right. Most common things people forget or not know when it costs cost saving, I guess. Design would be one, but also 
people having an understanding of the insulation and how things and directions are facing. But if people were to go to a designer or builder, what sort of advice um, would you try and give them when they're going through this process if they wanted to design an energy-efficient house and, and, you know, give them some advice on what they could do? Yeah, I think the most important thing is they either get someone who's built these before to design it or their designer works with a builder who's had some experience with it because, as you know, with any building, you know, a stroke of the pen can, can add thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, for instance, if you're building a straw bale house, the best way to design the walls is exactly straw bale sizes high, like five bales high, for instance. Five and a half bales, not so easy because you're cutting every straw bale in half with a chainsaw or some other tool. And that's really time-consuming. And the materials are quite cost-effective on these houses, but the time involved can, can be substantial. So it's all about designing them so that uh, you can make them as cost-effectively as possible. So it's really about a collaboration between the client, the designer, and the builder. And at least one of those people, and preferably all of them, have to have some sort of experience or at least done some courses or done some research in this area. Yeah, so I guess I guess it pays as someone as a homeowner if they are looking for something specific to make sure they do their research, um, checking out you know that particular builder and what they do and what they specialise in. Because I guess you don't want to just go to the the GP doctor when you need a heart surgeon or something, do you? Exactly right. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether a natural builder or not. Sometimes, but um, yeah, like with any any one, I was I'd be talking to about looking at a builder or a tradesman. Just ask to speak to clients and see their other work. And that, that's that's really the best reference you can get. And word of mouth is still a powerful tool, you know. Yeah, I guess because, yeah, word of mouth travels better than uh, anything else. It's still the same old story with word of mouth, isn't it? It just, it always seems to move quicker than anything, whether it's social media or anything else. It's it's what the actual someone's opinion um, for that's been through that experience or, or that type of thing before will know exactly what to say and what, what they experienced through that rather than just the, you know, you see on social media where it's just the glory of, you know, this is our house and blah, 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 but they never tell you the story of how, you know, what happened behind the scenes while the photos, the end, end result photos are there, are they? Yeah, and you don't have to be nice about it. You, I mean, it's not being awful, but you can ask clients, what could have the builder done better? Or what could have the architect done better? And um, then you can start to get some real insights into, because it's about solving problems. There's always little problems with building, but it's the way in which they're solved and whether they're solved as a team or the builder dumps it on the owner or the owner dumps it on a builder. So, yeah, you can ask probing questions like that and get some really nice and polite insights into um, into the whole experience. Yeah, yeah, and I guess working, like going through a whole building process is, is a team team effort rather than, you know, a homeowner versus a builder sort of situation because I guess when it gets like that, it ends up being, it sort of comes to a bit of a war zone by the time it gets to the end result rather than, you know, a team of everyone trying to work together. Yeah, absolutely. For us, it's all about communication, you know. Building a house is one of the biggest emotional and financial investments most people will make after children and marriage. So, you know, it, it really is. We say to people, if you see something happening, even if you think the builder know, knows what he's doing, come and ask us. Come and say, why are you building the stairs against the side of that shed? It could be that they're just building them there to move them or it could be they've, they've had a brain snap or using old plans or something. So we talk. We talk about keeping the channels open and through the entire build so that you can laugh about it at the end rather than um, have some real drama yeah. the way through. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I had this yeah. conversation with Mitch um, the other week about communication and just it's some of the thing I think a lot of people forget, well, not forget, but feel afraid of asking the builder a question because um, they feel a little bit like they're being like a bit of a burden or a bit of a pain in the butt. But they're they're spending a lot of money, a lot of time, and investing. You know, their part of their life. It's going to be something they're going to live in, and I think it's a really important thing as a homeowner to make sure they ask the question, even if they think it's stupid. Um, you know, ask the question anyway because you know it's you don't want to get to the end result and then end up in a shit fight because it's you wish you'd asked that question earlier. And I think a lot of people, you know, don't don't want to do it because of that reason. Uh, I, I really agree with that. And I think the way we approach that is I say, look, I, I'm, I've got a reasonably thick skin. You can ask me whatever you want. You can ask me the same questions many times and I'll go out, try and give you a different answer till we come to an understanding. But please ask the questions because... I'd rather explain something four times than have any sort of misunderstanding. Yeah, definitely. And I guess you'd probably get that with teaching a bit as well. And it's yeah, I think it's important that someone understands rather than thinking someone's understood and then it's just then the two people on two different pages and yeah, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, it's it's destined for the destruction, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, but um, I appreciate your time, Sam. So thanks for coming on the show. Um, so, yeah, if people want to find out more information about you, where would be the best place to get in contact with you? Yeah, so vivahomes.com.au is the best place. We've got a website that's frequently asked questions. You don't have to um, – you won't get chased down or anything. So if you want to learn more about it, you can go on there and just look up the frequently asked questions, look at designs of houses, that sort of stuff, just out of curiosity. You can even ask for information on the, the straw granny flats and stuff. There's a, there's a lot of stuff out there. And there's other resources that that refers to. Um, and there's a lot of books. There's a lot of really good books out there as well. So there's plenty of information there. It's just not not many of us know know about it. So, you know, that's that's really one of our purposes. I mean, our vision for our company is to inspire 10,000 natural homes. So I really appreciate you having us on so we can spread the word. Yeah, definitely. I think it's awesome. It's uh, such a cool idea. Like, who can build straw houses out of straw bales and render and dirt and rammed earth and everything else that goes in. I think that's awesome. So I really appreciate your time, Sam. It's a pleasure, Joel. Thank you very much, mate. No worries. I'll uh, be in touch and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Cheers, mate. That's it for this week's episode of What Builders Don't Tell Their Clients, brought to you by Refined Space Constructions. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.